he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. everyone and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. My name's Anthony Bolotta. I'm your host and I'm here as I am every week with the one and only Alex Apostolides. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. It's good, it's good yeah. to see you. It's good <laughs> to see you. We're, we're talking from uh, from across the, the great wide country and where I'm, are you i'm in philadelphia i've never been there fabulous america's first city yes yes maybe and it'll be the last one i ever visit i think it's the birthplace of independence too isn't it maybe uh this is where the declaration of independence was signed uh and the liberty bell is here would mm -hmm. you just say maybe i said maybe wife? that'll be the last place i ever visit maybe but hopefully not till I'm like in my hundreds. Yeah, if that's the way it's going to be. It is. I, I don't. I'm not so sure. I like that. It's just too. It's too uh, limiting. What if you get it, asked to go to Philadelphia next week? Then what do you do? Oh, that part of it. Well, yeah. I probably wouldn't go next week, but maybe the week after. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Life happens. My my gorgeous fireman will come and want to take me on vacation to philly yes yes and by the way footnote and with all due respect wow that was a disappointment the the fireman the wedding yeah. fireman have we talked about that already on this podcast because i know i talked about it with grandma <laughs> grandma <laughs> <laughs> was grandma disappointed too well she was disappointed that there wasn't really anything there um that was appealing for uh, you know the gals, the other single young ladies. Yes. Well, the, and the single right? older ladies too. And the sing right, the single ladies. Period. And me. Period. I like a little eye candy. Um. Okay. So yeah, we didn't talk about. It. Well, I you know, and I as we know, I was hoping that my fire captain James was going to be there in my age, my size. You know. Well. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't there. And I mean, the only fire captain there was the one getting married. I know. Is that and not a slap in the face? There you are. I was dressed like a, dog. like a dog, and in doing it in dress clothes. And dress by clothes, the by the way. And the one and only captain there is marrying the bride. And he was the best looking. And he was the best looking. Yeah, good right. David's a good looking man. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they don't all look like David. No. But, you know, there are worse things. Much yes. worse. This is so, true. Yeah, always, always. You know, you always have to look at the bright side yeah. of life. You know, you always do, right? And, you know, by the way, if you do, then I think probably things work out better, right? Well, they say change your thoughts, you know. Yeah, exactly. Change your life. Be the change mm -hmm. you want to be. That's right. Be the change you want to see. Be in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. 
So, uh, you know, I am here in Philly with my friends at uh, ADEA, the American Dental Education Association, and they are wonderful, wonderful people. We have not had this conference since 2019 when we were in Chicago, and uh, this is my 11th year with them, uh, and it would have been 12, but we didn't do it in 2020. And I was talking to Audra Johnston, formerly Audra Franks, but she's since married since I first met her 11 years ago. Uh, and she is the meeting planner. It's very interesting to have a conversation with her because, you know, they've had to pivot a lot. <laughs> they, they have. And it's interesting from a, a conference planner's point of view. This is her one and only big conference it's three thousand plus people normally oh. it's, it's the american dental education association but it is actually uh american and canadian they're canadian members as well and uh in 2020 she reminded me we were supposed to go to montreal montreal and uh, montreal yeah I, I had forgotten that we were supposed to go there. Well, naturally, we're, we haven't gone. We didn't go this year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so she had to rebook that because it didn't happen in 2020, uh, which she was able to do for, I think, 2025, she said. And uh, there was another city we didn't, we, we didn't go to in 2021 when we went virtual, and she had to rework all of those contracts as well. And what was so fascinating was that she booked this hotel and convention center because mind you now, everything's in a state of flux, right? And this is a 3000 plus conference, you know, with an annual budget and certain parameters like you would expect. And you book these things out years in advance. Mm -hmm. She knows where she's going at least two or three years in advance, at least. And so she had to book this pretty quickly and she booked it sight unseen. Ooh. Now, imagine that. Imagine in the small scope of what we do, doing something sight unseen. We've gotten pretty good because, you know, the layouts are pretty mm -hmm. much the same for the most part. But still, there are, there are challenges sometimes with the logistics that you face that you don't know you're going to face until you get there because nobody has the forethought necessarily at the hotel or wants to be so, um, you know, uh, proactive, telling you everything that the property has that could be a potential issue until you get there, like columns mm. in the middle of the ballroom or. Um, egresses that are hard to you know manage or doors that lock at certain times you know all of these little things that become problematic when you're on site and you have thousands of people with you so it's amazing she's an amazing planner I love her she's incredible I don't know her as well as I know some of my other planner friends but she does a remarkable job and stays as calm as a cucumber uh and I'm just amazed that she booked this convention center, uh, which is also a very interesting convention center. Uh, and the Marriott Hotel, 
uh, sight unseen. So good job to her because it's working wow. out splendidly. Interesting fact about the convention center is that it was the train station, the very first train station uh, here in Pennsylvania. And I think the largest in the country at one point. Uh, well, you can, you know, Pennsylvania is one of the first 13 states. So a lot of things originated here. And so uh, the convention center is that train barn, if you will. And the theater that we're in, uh, it's really a ballroom, but it's, it's serving as our general session main stage, has a wooden arched ceiling with cross beams that, you know, they're hanging the truss from. That was the top of the train barn. Wow. So, yeah, it's incredible. And it was refurbished in 1998 and made into what it is today. Now, what's really kind of interesting is that uh, the theater is up uh, two levels from the main floor, uh, which is completely covered in gray Italian marble, not just the floor. It's a huge space, by the way, it's huge. The, 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 what I would call the, the lobby area or the foyer, foyer, two floors down below this ballroom. So there's even space up there, but this in itself could be used for a giant event. And it sort of has that indoor outdoor feel and it has neon lighting structures and the ceiling that can be turned on, but everything about it is gray marble, including uh, including the sides of the escalators that lead up and all of the terracing up. It's all gray marble. It's, it's fascinating. Did you sing in there? Because those acoustics must be. Not as well, not like what you would think. Really? I, I did just, I didn't really sing in there, but I, I did do a few, you know, little scream things, you know, <laughs> under my breath. And there was nothing really. I was a little little disappointed oh. i would imagine you put to, you put just enough in there uh otherwise you're you're gonna really regret yeah, yeah it's either gonna be too low or too cacophonous yeah one yeah. of those you have no absolutely no soft goods whatsoever in that space i lied to you by the way you have in here i i try not to i actually was there once i just wasn't outside of the train station so when i took the train across country when i came back it was a different route and we, we kept going back and forth between there and new york because we had a train fire so we spent more time going backwards than we did going forwards oh that's really not nice it wasn't dangerous or anything. No, yeah. but you, you don't get on a train to go backwards. You want to no, go. No, no. Right. And not only that, but I had an eight-hour layover in Chicago, which we missed because we were stuck so much. Wow, you missed an eight-hour layover. Layover. I was supposed that's, to hang out with a friend, and yeah, but that's my whole layover. <laughs> I missed a whole layover. An eight-hour layover. Yeah, I can't even believe it. And then they said, okay, well, I said, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, we're going to put you on a bus. And that's when five foot three, me grew 10 feet. And I said, and I just stood up from my seat. I said, no, you're not. I paid this much money for a train ticket. You're putting me on a train mm -hmm. or I'm staying right here. 
Did you get where you, were, you needed to go eventually? Yes, and on a train. Okay, good. All right. yeah. As long as you were happy. I you was, were except on, for- you, and, you were on a train, all right. I was on a train, all right. Yes, but every bathroom but one on the entire train ceased to work. <laughs> one bathroom, all those passengers. Hey, at, uh, least, at least you had the one, At right? least I had the one. Going was fantastic. Coming well, back. They always get you on the return. <laughs> When's the last time you, you drove into Mexico? At San Isidro. Yes. Okay. Going in is beautiful. You can drive right into Baja from San Diego. The, you know, the, the, the port of entry is, is much bigger and there's much more security than there used to be on both sides, but you you can still drive right in. And then you, you're like, boom, you're on the coast. It's gorgeous. But coming back. Oh, another story. Another story always get you on the return that's where you got to be careful on the way back speaking of that they always get you so here we are in this um huge convention hotel and uh i i do think that this is a i'm going to be probably a little glib about it but it is a very important topic and it is something that planners are going to want to look at seriously. Uh, so the situation is this. It was Saturday morning, 2.36 a.m. in the morning. And uh, suddenly I hear this droning in my ear. Attention, attention. There's been a hotel alarm. Security is looking into it. I'm not kidding you. I, I'm, I am, oh my God. I, it's not verbatim, but this is the message. Did they say not to jump out the window or anything? No, no, no. But this is the thing. It just kept going. Beep, beep, beep. Attention, attention. Do not leave your room. Security's looking into it. Beep, beep, beep. This goes on for like 10 minutes. So now I'm aroused and awake and it's going on and on and on. And then suddenly it stops for a moment. I'm thinking, okay. And then it starts again. But now the message is this. Beep, beep, beep. Attention, attention. Security has assessed the alarm. There is no emergency. Please go back to doing what you were doing. Listening to you is what I was doing. And before that, sleeping. And then that went on. Beep, beep, beep. No kidding. This went back and forth for at least 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, I brought myself downstairs, of course, um, as did a few of the other guests. And uh, there was one person at the front desk. The security guard seemed to have been awoken by the sound of the alarm because she didn't quite know what to do herself. 
And uh, when we asked for the manager on duty, we were told that there was no manager on duty and that they would return at 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning. So here's the issue. We're all stretched, right? But there needs to be oversight. And at that level of management, that's where the pedal hits the metal. You know, that's where people have to be on and to pick up the slack when there are these kinds of issues. And there needs to be either uh, a statement to a group like this, to a planner like this, that there will be no one on site, or, uh, and I'm saying this for a specific reason, the contract does state there will be a manager on duty. However, there wasn't one. And this is the, this is the difference on site and on duty seem to have been blurred during the COVID-19 pandemic. Because at one point, a manager on duty meant on site there at the hotel, not somewhere off site, a phone call away. And even if that was the case here. They weren't the being front, called. Right, the front desk, Jen uh, didn't know what to do. And the, the, the fact that nobody knew what to do was, was further infuriating because nobody could respond to what was happening to, at 2.36 a.m. in the morning. And uh, there was a conference that was starting early the next morning. So people were definitely being impacted, right? So the, that's the moral of the story is it happened. There has since been no formal apology. Wow. Like, okay, it's Monday now. And this was, this was early Saturday morning. So Friday night into Saturday morning. And there has still been no acknowledgement or, I mean, because there is a group, again, there's a group in house. If this was leisure travel at very least, there could be, well, hold on a minute. There is a, hold on, maybe I'm wrong because something was just slipped under my door before we started this podcast. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry if I just, these just dangled in your ear. Uh, I'm so here, yeah, we just got this. The resident manager, Bill Hess, uh, good afternoon. We thank you for staying with us during the American Dental Education Association Convention and wish to express our sincere apologies for the inconvenience you experienced with the fire alarm on Sunday morning. Well, it wasn't Sunday morning, it was Saturday morning. The activation of this alarm was caused by the actions of an individual that pulled the alarm pull station at the front entrance of the hotel. We understood that uh, previous to this letter. Uh, this puts the entire hotel into general alarm. Duh. We understand the all clear message was played and the alarm activated again in the same location. The automated system had trouble resetting, which required the manufacturer of the manufacturer of the system to be dispatched to correct the situation. 
not the manufacturer. I'm sorry. I'm just one of those. Your safety and security is our highest priority. On Sunday, myself, sorry. On Sunday, myself and our senior event manager should be sorry, met with representatives for your conference. We appreciate their concern and the feedback that was provided. We understand overall communication could have been better and want to express our apologies for the inconvenience and at least share what caused the alarm. Warm regards. My, my biggest burning question here is, what if it had been an emergency? Well, that was exactly my point. It's exactly right. What if it was an emergency? What, what would have been done? Nothing. What would have been done? How would, how would we have known that it was a real emergency had it been one? And as it is, I mean, and this is, this is why this is so crucial. When I went downstairs, first of all, I called. And of course, all I could think as I picked up my phone to call the front desk was naturally everybody's calling. So the, I'm never going to get through. But I went right to a switchboard and a recorded message, right to one. So that's what propelled me downstairs. And when I went downstairs, oddly, there were very few people downstairs at the front desk lobby area that had been awoken and wanted to deal with this issue and were willing to come out of their rooms and do so. Most people just stayed in their rooms. So if there had been an emergency, who would have had the forethought down there because the crew was skeletal and not trained at all? Who would have had the, the wherewithal to say through the loud system or even know how to say there's a real emergency get your clothes on and get outside because again most people didn't and this is something again this wasn't five minutes or 10 minutes or even 15 minutes this went on it woke us we were awake by the time this ordeal ended because it went on so long you know it wasn't one of those oh, a few momentary right you know, lay right back down and you know and by the grace of god fall asleep again it wasn't that at all and so it could have been it could have been catastrophic and i think this letter is now i'm sure this letter was written because because i'm sure that Audra, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying her name, had this meeting, as he said, happened. And I'm sure she got at least this, because that was probably all that she could get them to do. And she's a fair person. You know, it's not like she's going to drain them because they made there was this awful thing. But, you know, at very least, if I was the manager of this hotel, and I know it's been rough for people, I would say, come down and please feel free to have a cocktail, you know, take this letter with you, uh, whatever, figure out something that Thanks. feels a little bit more um, tangible. That's, a, that's the kind of apology where somebody is apologizing, but not apologizing. Because they're not taking responsibility. Right. You know, oh, I'm sorry if you were hurt by this. Right. And I'm is, sorry that I messed up. You know, right. 
but um, I think that's that's a shame. It really, yeah. really well, is especially with that hotel, right? With that chain, right? Now, I do, I do want to say, so it's 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 been rocky here. Again, we're in the service industry. We know it's crazy. Things and happen, people, and people are having a hard time with staffing, right? So on Friday night, just so happens the same night as this, but earlier in the evening. I went to the one place where you could get food. First of all, I, I decided I was gonna take an hour or so. And even though I was hungry, I will admit, even though I was hungry, I said, it's still light out. I'm in Philadelphia. I wanna just see some of this. I'm gonna walk for an hour or two and then I'll come back and eat because uh, you know, I wanted to get out. So, and see the city and it was gorgeous, by the way, gorgeous out, it was gorgeous. Uh, so then I thought, okay, I'm walking back. I could easily walk into one of these places and grab something. I thought, you know what? It's just going to be so much easier if I just go to the hotel and sit in that bar area and get something. It'll just be easier and quicker. And so that was my intention. So I went there and I sat and I finally got to order after about 25 minutes of sitting there. Uh, he finally realized, even though when he brought me the menu, I was like, oh, great, a food menu. He It like was 20 minutes before I got him to come back to take an order. Then he did. And then it was easily another 40 minutes before I felt pushed away from the table because it was a long table. There were no smaller tables. But when I sat there, there was only one other gen at the other end of the table. And I you know, asked if I could share the table with him. Very long, like six foot table. He was on one end, I was on the other. But then another gent came over, ordered a drink and then brought all his friends over. And, and I said, you know, excuse me, but I'm, I'm waiting for food. Like, I don't want you all drinking and breathing over my, I didn't say that, but you know, it's a slim 18 inch table and I'm gonna have food. And, you know, I didn't expect that this group of, gents were going to come over and drink beer and breathe over me you know so I felt pushed away because I just got up and left I still didn't have my food anyway and oh my gosh but you never ate no no I didn't get any food because I was still waiting and I went to the waiter and I was at that point hangry because now you know I'm like waiting and I said dude you know I've been waiting I'm hangry I feel pushed away from that table I'm done like I'm not waiting any longer and I gave him an earful and then I walked over to the little market and I thought I just got to eat and I walked up to the counter thank god there was nobody in there and I was like because I was so hungry by that point and I got their names, Matthew, who's the manager there, and Edina, who was the lovely lady who both of them were so accommodating. I said, please, just a pizza, cheese, whatever, just please. She made me the pizza herself. They told me the kitchen's been backed up. There were problems that night. She went back there, made the pizza herself, he got me a salad and the soda and, and the ice. And, and then they gave me that and said, I'm, you know, we're not taking any money from you. Oh, wow. That, that was fabulous. That was fabulous. And I plan to go back there and say thank you and give them a little something because it was so terrific. 
that's the kind of service that we look for. That's turning, you know, they turned me around basically until the alarm went off. <laughs> I was like back where done. I started even worse. You know what? They should have had Matthew and Adina maybe running the hotel. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe, 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 maybe. Uh, maybe. Well, there was one good thing though, that I did get a laugh because naturally the next morning when I'm emceeing, I mean, I didn't realize at the time, I thought maybe we had all heard it, but apparently only those of us on one side of the hotel heard it, the other tower didn't hear it at all. Uh, but those of us who experienced it uh, found it funny when I approached the mic and said, attention, attention, that's all I had to say. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> that's very all I had funny. to say. Oh my gosh. They are a fun, 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 fun group. And they're so uh, passionate about not only dental education, uh, but also the uh, connection between dental care and, and primary care. And, you know, the fact that the mouth is the, is the conduit to a lot of what goes on in our bodies. And um, they're really making strides in, in getting the medical medical profession to uh, acknowledge the dental profession as a medical profession. I think that dentists have lived in the shadows of doctors for a long time and the work that they do is incredible. Uh, and uh, the advancements that they've made incredible. And, and think about the fact that most people are going to have a tooth pulled or a crown put in or a root canal. More people are gonna have that than are going to have surgery. Yep. And, uh, you know, so I think there needs to be more uh, respect for them. And, uh, you know, these are deans of colleges and uh, uh, professors and, uh, young dental students that want to pursue academic careers. Um, that's the majority of this audience and they're bright young people uh, and some bright older people too and very diverse and embracing DEI as it should be embraced and walking the talk in every single manner. And it's just really delightful. It's, it's oh, really that's awesome. It's America. It feels yeah. to me like this is America where mm -hmm. opportunity exists for those who just put themselves out there, are willing to take a risk and do the work mm -hmm. and, you know, want to be seen and want to make something of themselves. It's a really, it's, it's really brilliant, honestly. But I love when you work with them and, you know, I've never met any of these people, but not, but, and. I've never hear any stress around this event for you. Yeah, never. It just is always joyful. Totally, yeah, totally joyful. And I feel blessed because, you know, I don't really do it for the economic value. I never have. For, uh, first of all, I started with them in San Diego in 2011. And it was because uh, Terry Brining, who is now my... Uh, my coach in at SDSU just gave them my name and said, here, why don't you try Anthony? And so that's what started this, this long, 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 long relationship. But I've, I've 
and done it for the enjoyment every single time. It was such a joy. And it wasn't easy at the beginning because the titles are incredible and the and the awards are like the idea aada colgate palmolive uh scholarship <laughs> for institutional study i mean that's the name of the award you know so you at first i was like dang where am i gonna breathe like how do i but i sort of got the hang of it and uh i think that's what they i think that what happens is i do very little quite honestly i i provide a little levity and uh, I read the names, you know, and I'm, you know, forced to say some pretty um, incredible names. You know, I should write a book on the names that I've got, had to say because they're tongue twisters, but they're fun too. You know, they are fun. And, that that's a lot of fun for me. I mean, I I love it when I have that right? as a voiceover person. I love when I have that challenge and right. when it's medical terminology. And I think, okay, am I making my mom proud because she taught me medical terminology because she oh. taught it. There so am I go. making her, am I making her proud or am I really messing it up? It's yeah, a challenge. It was, it's a challenge and getting it out, not only just, you know, being able to say the words, but getting, getting them out in a way that makes sense and uh, makes it sound like, you know, what you're talking about, because sometimes you just don't when you're emceeing this stuff, you know, you just have to make, it's like reading the news. They don't know any, everything about everything they're reading. You assume they do because they look like they do. Well, in your voice, I mean, you have a very commanding, melodious, ah, see, beautiful, you, you know, see, it, so, it, your voice just it, people, you, they're going to hear you. They trust you. You're you right. have that voice. Thank you for that. And I think that that's what I hear most from people is the voice, you know, mm -hmm. I, the voice. Or I've become the voice of Adia, which is great because Adia is the voice of dental education. So I feel so really you, good. in essence, are. Hey, the voice of dental education. There you go. Maybe I'll put it on my. You should. And my my tittle. <laughs> Your tittle. Yeah, my title. <laughs> so, like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little sleep deprived right now, so you know. So, so speaking of tittles, <laughs> uh, I've, I that's I just made that word up. I think because I don't. I've never yeah. heard it before, and I've never heard it out of your mouth. So I'm thinking, yes, you just made okay. that up. All right, so speaking of that, um, I did have some time on Sunday, and as I shared with D'Angelo, I saw on my walk on Friday, I saw that the Forest Theater in downtown Philly was doing Oklahoma. And uh, it was um, being uh, marketed as a new take on Oklahoma. And I thought, oh, you know, that would be interesting because I've done the show a few times. I know the show really well. It's kind of a long show. It feels very long and it does have some pretty long segues. So I'm not, I'm kind of jazzed by the fact that it's a, it's a new take on it. And I didn't realize it had already been on Broadway. Um, it's Daniel Fish's production, and uh, it basically takes the Oklahoma, the classic story, same story, same script, same, from what I can remember, same music, same, but totally uh, uh, reimagined and not in a happy, smiley, necessarily upbeat way as we would... Oh. 
expect Oklahoma to be. Um, in fact, there was what I would call, the, the choreography was in, incredibly intriguing to me. Uh, there was a, it wasn't a big ensemble to begin with. I, I think it was a cast of maybe 12 or 14 in total. And uh, that included all the leads. And that's a, that's a cast with uh, two sets of, you know, the primary leads and then the sub leads, and then all of the character actors around them, Gertie and, and uh, Auntie, I just went up on her name. Anne Hello, Eller, Annie. Anne Eller. Ado Annie's one of the, the mm -hmm. couples, but Ann Eller and, and Ado Annie's father and uh, and then Judd, uh, Jed, poor Jed is the Judd, right? Poor Judd, poor Judd, 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 poor Judd, him. Uh, all of those characters. The band was not an orchestra. It was a band uh, with some like organic country uh, banjos and... Uh, um, was it kind of bluegrassy? Very bluegrass. Well, like that I like. I can't think of the instrument right now that you pick, and it, it's sort of a stringed instrument, and it lays down. Uh, but they. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking. I can't. Yeah, think of I know name. what you're talking about. Um, uh, I just can't think of the name of it. Yeah, uh, and it and the band was on stage in the back, and it was one scene, and it was a big bare stage that felt like a, a bit like a country barn, if you will, very stark and clean and wooden tables. And, and, and everyone was on stage the entire time, for the most part. Um, there were some entrances in and you know, often on stage that were doors that were built into the set. And so people would sometimes appear through them or leave uh, some of the main characters, but for the most part, everyone stayed on stage. And the music was offered in very different um, orchestrations than you would imagine from the, the you know, the, the classic show. Sometimes it was just a guitar. Uh, sometimes things were sung without any accompaniment or they, there'd be a verse without accompaniment. So they used electric guitar. Um, so there were things that were really like twangy in, in your ear and there were some off-putting moments and um, at the end of the show, uh, you know, they sort of do a mock trial of Curly who shoots Judd in the show, in the show, in the, in the original, in the classic, as I recall, the shot is off stage and you don't see him die you know that Curly walks on stage, right? And that you know what happens. And, and then the town comes together and Ann Eller insists that they have a trial right there because Ado Annie's father is the judge and they're just gonna you know, make sure Curly was doing this out of self-defense, right? They, they do all of this. And in the original show, as an audience member, you're gleeful because Curly's a great guy and Judd was a menace, right? But in today's context, it's a very different feel. And not only do they point that up, but they have Curly shoot Judd right there on stage. And the splatter 
of his, I mean, they go to great lengths because there's no way one gunshot would splatter two people as much as it does at the end of the show. But Curly and Lori are on stage and are now covered in Judd's blood as they sing the final Oklahoma. So she's going through this emotional, first of all, you don't know really where her head is at as a character to begin with, because in the original, she loves, you know, she's playing a game with Curly, but she's clearly afraid of Judd. But in this version, there's a connection. You get the sense that there's some sexual connection there between them, uh, but she's still afraid of him. And he's not a big guy in this production either. As a matter of fact, he looks more like a psychopath than he does a big burly, you know, aggressive man. And the scene with in which poor Judd is dead is sung. Um, they took this, the, first of all, there were two or three times during the show where the stage was completely black. And they, the scene was taking place in complete black. Uh, and one of them was, um, poor Judd is dead. And then suddenly this projection came up and it was a projection against the entire backdrop, the rear wall of the stage. And it was real time projection. So the, the videographer projectionist was right there on stage with the camera, but we're in total black. The only light we see as an audience member is that which is shining from this camera on the two characters. As a matter of fact, it's kind of hard to see who's who in this scene as they're singing this, but the projection of their black and white faces, huge behind them. And that's what we're focused on. And you're seeing the angst in Judd's face as he's singing this song. And you're feeling that this man understands that death is an option for him. He could almost, Curly's painting this picture and you can see Judd's buying into it. And that's sort of what precedes the death You know, later on. It was incredibly staged. And the choreography was, I, I call it spastic sexuality because uh, it, Lori, Laurie, she was brilliant. Also, by the way, uh, an interracial cast. Love that. Loved it. Um, and Lori was beautiful and uh, moved the, the, her movements, I can't even remember which song it was. Very jerky and spastic, but beautiful. I, honestly, I, I, I can't describe it any better than that. It was almost as though she was having an orgasm on stage through dance. And that was the purpose of that movement. But clean, everything was very clean. And it wasn't like a bunch of gyrations of the hip. It, that's not what I'm talking about. It was like her body was feeling the impact of an orgasm in the dance and doing what the body does when it's having one of those. It was just so impeccable. And um, I was marveled. I was- Now I want to go see it. I've never even seen Oklahoma. I've never seen the play. I've never seen it. Oh, well, I, I have to say, I think, 
you'd want to see it because I think you want to see the classic version first. Yeah. And then this, because the woman who I didn't meet until after the show was over and I'm feeling amazed and I hear her get up out of her seat and say, well, I thought this was going to be a musical. Well, it was, and all of the songs were there, but they weren't done in the style that she expected that classical Rodgers and Hammerstein lushly orchestrated style that we're so used to. It wasn't that, you know, with all the encores and some of, as a matter of fact, the ballet was one person, one dancer who did the entire, uh, it was probably eight minutes. I think the, the, the ballet is about that long on her alone on stage. I was like, gee, how, how is she doing this? Um, which had that same sort of jerked kind of feel. It was a little harder to follow than it is in the show because there's a, there's a dream ballet that happens mm -hmm. in the show and it's Laurie, Laurie sort of dreaming of what's, you know, this ominous dream. First, it starts very beautiful and, you know, she's marrying Curly and then it turns really, you know, uh, tragic and Judd enters. And so it sort of, it sort of foretells what's going to happen, actually, this dream segment. But when it's done with one dancer, it's a little bit harder to follow. Um, and because the music is orchestrated differently, it, it, I think it was just a little esoteric for me. But um, wow, I was so glad that I went. Uh, and for this reason, when I was at ADHA, the last time it was, I was in Louisville, which was, I'm going back there, which was just a few years ago, Hamilton was playing. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. And I didn't go. I mean, I could have easily, I couldn't find the box office. It's a little harder. You know, I saw the marquee. I called. I couldn't get through. I tried, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't persistent. I didn't get in. Um, so I'm so glad that I, I went to the theater here in Philly because, first of all, you learn something new, mm -hmm. you know, in our work, it's always good to incorporate theater and theatrical experiences. And I just, I, I, I think it's because I know the show so well and I, I was expecting some long drawn out show and it wasn't. How it long was, was still, the production? It was still two and a half hours. Um, but see, I know this, I don't, the one thing I'm having trouble recalling about Oklahoma, and I'm assuming that it is because most of the musicals were written in this way at that time, was they'd have um, on, they'd have um, not entre acts or encores, but um, shoot, when the music plays again, I can't. I'm losing my mind here. Uh, when they're making scene changes, and they'd have the music play to cover those scene changes, there's an awful lot of that in these old shows. So um, you would hear, you know, uh, come on, it's not a tag. You would hear the a song. Repeat. I mean the a, a, a reprise. Thank reprise. You. Yes. You you would hear a reprise of the song once it's over, you know, to sort of cover mm -hmm. the scene change, right? So that adds time. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know the audiences in those days didn't care because you went to the theater, it was all an experience. You know, we're talking 1943 when when Oklahoma first appeared. They 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 soaked it up, but now it's just like let's get to the point, 
right? Attention deficit, right? (laughs) Right. So just for me, it doesn't work as well. What's interesting about it, and I won't go on more about Oklahoma, um, but what is interesting about it is that it was a groundbreaking Mm -hmm. musical when it opened in 43. My first vocal coach was in the Broadway production. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Boston. I I mean, I was was young. I was very young when I was studying with him. Was he a cowboy? I don't, I don't know. He, well, he wasn't in real life, definitely. But uh, uh, yeah, we have many friends that studied with him. Wow, we do? Danielle studied with him. Pixie studied with him. All good voices. Mm-hmm. Mm, all good voices. Yeah, um, that's incredible. That's incredible. 1943. Yeah, changed the way we tell stories in musicals because before that, musicals were basically vaudeville shows, variety shows. Um, you know, you you put together great songs, uh, great performances, no no story, no through line necessarily. Uh, or if there was a story, the music was just bouncy and fun and really not meant to do anything other than entertain. And so it would sort of interrupt well, the storyline, if you will, before this musical. Um, these lyrics were written to push the story along and um, the show is staged and written that way. It was the first one to do it and it changed musical theater. And Oklahoma came before Carousel, right? Yes. Yes, Carousel was pretty groundbreaking. I think Carousel was three years later, if I if I if I remember correctly. I want to say it was Oklahoma then Carousel, and then of course they did The King and I, which came later as well in the fifties. The Sound of Music was another Rodgers and Hammerstein. Mm -hmm. There, they have a Cinderella that's out touring now. uh, That's a Rodgers, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein, and Richard Rodgers before. Uh, writing with Hammerstein wrote with um, Arthur Lorenz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was um, Lorenz and Hart. No, sorry, Rogers and Hart. Uh, Rogers and Rogers Hart. And, Hart. and uh, they had a slew of, they were, they wrote these musicals that I'm talking about. Uh, the Boys from Syracuse and uh, tons of others uh, that were fun music, great music. You don't really know the stories anymore. They've sort of dissipated into... Um, but, but the music goes on and on and on. And, and that's basically what audiences came to the theater for anyway. Uh, you know, we're talking about the days of the Ziegfeld Follies when theater was grand and, you know, l- almost the way we view film, the, the, the reach that film has today and the marvel that it is today and the things that we see in film uh, like, you know, we just saw West Side Story, D'Angelo and I, and the 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 cinematography is beautiful. And uh, they did this recently as well with um, In the Heights, which was brought to the screen as well. These just wide shots of this enormous cast of dancers um, filling the street or filling the frame, if you will, is so remarkable. For me, that's one of the moments that I just, I'm so joyful to look at because first of all, the work that it takes, not only to get the darn shot, 
but to get all those people doing what they need to be doing to begin with, it's six incredible effort in that one shot. And it's so beautifully done in the way that dance is being captured on film today and the movement that the camera has today and the things that we can do with effects. It's, 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 the, it's the marvel that people used to see in the theater when they'd go and they'd see, you know, a stage full of dancers doing the same exact movement, singing in this perfect harmony that without microphones, by the way, uh, you know, and just, you know, blowing the ceiling off the roof, you know, you walked out of there gleeful. even today, you know, I mean, I think the last time that I walked out of a musical wanting to dance down the street was when I saw Hairspray. Uh, I don't even think I felt that way after In the Heights, which I loved. It was gorgeous on stage, but Hairspray made me want to dance and sing all the way back to the hotel when I saw that. You know, that feeling that people go to the theater for. I think we need more of that today. Definitely. You know, I, I agree think 100%. We, you know, more of that than, uh, forgive me for saying, than dramas and, you know, deep uh, psychological thrillers. I mean, I love those too, but we need some happy. Yeah. And some big, grand. We, we need to. F- feel the wonder again. People, people need to feel the wonder of life. It feels too heavy. It does. It's heavy and it's ominous. And um, I think there's a guilt associated with feeling good these days. I think that's our fault as a I agree. society. Yes. Because we make people who have means or who are happy feel uh, like they sh- don't deserve it or like they should be extra grateful or um, I well, I'm all for the extra grateful, but. Um... Well, we do, we, we put it, we, we, this is going to be very controversial and this is probably not what you meant, but we do make it hard for people to be happy. It's hard enough. No, no, I agree with that. I, I mean, even just, if you have something going on in your life that maybe isn't a happy thing, but then you go, Oh, wait a minute. I have no right to have this weigh on me because there are people with so many more problems or, or much dire circumstances. Right. And then we feel guilty for that effect. And then if we're happy, feel guilty because we're happy when all of this is happening, we're, Instead of the the perspective of if I am doing well and I am happy, I am more benefit to society and I am in a position to then help. Is that clear what I'm trying to say or did I just run around in a circle there? So whose perspective are we talking about? The person who's unhappy? Yeah. So, um, you know, let's say you're in your situation, right? You have like, we won't talk about it, but what's happening my mm-hmm. living situation, right? And, and it's big for me, but then you think, I have no right to be upset. Wait mm-hmm. a minute, I, I have a roof over my head and I don't have bombs coming down on me. But, okay, yes, go ahead. So there's that, oh, I don't have a right to be upset about this. 
And then if your life, but from the other side of the coin, if everything in your life is going well and you're happy, oh, I don't really want to broadcast that because there's all this going on in the world. Right. And that feels like I'm rubbing it in. So. Right. But, but yeah, that, that's how ha that happens. It's natural, yeah. but, but at the end of the day, we can only be responsible for what we can be responsible for. And you're an empathetic exactly. person. Right. And so yeah. I would say that if empathy trumps everything, and if you have empathy for people and yep. you can sort of sit with them when they're in their situations, mm -hmm. um, you'll have a lot more gratitude for the goodness that's in your life. As exactly. Well. Exactly. So it sort of goes like hand in hand. And I do, I do think that that, first of all, it requires being empathetic and thinking about other people to begin with and being introspective. I think we've had this conversation. That's the first step. Right. That is the very first step. And, and also, again, it come, coming back to if you're an empathetic person, whatever, and you're happy, you can you can do more from that place than you can from yes being in a trouble so if you allow yourself to enjoy and be happy and you if if prosperous if you're if that's you know god willing that's all there instead of feeling bad about it all right now how can i be of service right. how can i take what i have all my blessings and be of service but but here's the bottom line though because if you think about life there are those with a tremendous amount that are not happy. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's really not about what people have or what we perceive their happiness to be. It's really about what we choose and whether we decide we're going to look at life from this pair of glasses or we're going to put on these miserable ones and we're going to look at it this way. At the end of the day, so it's not like you don't, even feel um you shouldn't feel like when i say shouldn't it's not like you can't feel miserable when something bad is happening but you keep it in perspective and you say you know what yeah you have the right to complain about something and, and if you're dealing with something that's still overwhelming yeah it's just about saying okay i have this going on but i also have all of this great stuff so i'm not going to let that rule me plus when it does You've just given your power away to somebody else and you're letting them impact you when goodness grace, you've got enough going on already. So you got to cut that crap off right immediately and not let that person get under you because they're winning if they do. And if you're miserable and you're feeling it and you're thinking about it all the time, they're winning. So do you have that bat by the way? I don't have. I don't have a. I'm not no, kidding. But, but, but wait, what I do have is a magnum of champagne by my door, and it's prosecco. So if it breaks, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I actually am doing things to be all woo woo energetically, and so I know I'm protected. I mean, I know I'm okay. I'm gonna be okay. It's it it, it it'll work out. I yeah. one way or the other, it'll work out. Well, I yeah, it, it is going to work out, and you have support. And we'll, uh, yeah, you have support here. In our world, you have to bring the happiness, the joy. You got to leave the baggage at the door. 
and you've got to be empathetic if you're going to plan things for people because you've got to take the human element what people can tolerate, what the body can tolerate. You, know, you gotta take all of that into consideration in your planning. It's not just about what we want or what they want. It's about combining all of that with what's best. You know, we talked about something several months ago when we were at TSC that plays, that it, it, it's actually very pertinent to this conversation. Um, and that was, you know, when you have these networking events and the music is so loud that nobody can talk. And I brought up the whole, you know, there's a lot of people out there and that who have this and don't even know they have it, the hyperacusis, right? So it becomes physically, emotionally, and even psychologically difficult to main, to be in that space when it's so loud. Right. And that's, you know, a planner needs to go, wait a minute, is this music energizing? Or is it disruptive right. and draining? Right. So, you know, it is. It's something that most people would go, wait, what are you talking about? Why? That's not a big deal. Well, actually, it's a very big deal, especially if you're having a networking event. Especially. And that's the difference between uh, a professional, someone mm-hmm. who is taking care of business, and somebody who is not. It's not, and it's it's a little bit of a combination of the wherewithal, the understanding, the empathy, just to, to see what's and hear what's going on in the room, as well as it is the um, the willingness to make a change and to be on it and to not be drowned in a cocktail or a conversation or you know, doing your own networking and completely oblivious to what's going on. That is not the way that we work in this industry. Not that people can't have a good time, but- but there's a balance there. There's a balance. And if you're one of those people that can have a cocktail in your hand and an ear out for how loud the band is or what's going around, and you're part of the party, not working the party, but you're in the party. It's the only reason I have a cocktail in your hand, I'm sorry, very old school. But if that's what's happening, then great. But if you are the planner, A, you don't have a cocktail in your hand ever. Again, I'm old school. And uh, you're just being observant. That's what you're there to do, to make sure that things are happening the way they're supposed to and that people are doing what they need to do and feeling good. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Those were loud, 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 loud parties. And you know what? I also want to encourage people to go to networking events because you know i sense here uh just being uh around some of the younger people uh that are winning awards uh, a little bit of hesitation trepidation going to the the like one or two hour networking events that they had and i had a conversation with uh one young man and, and I, I i encouraged him to go to the to the networking event the welcome event and he said he wasn't going to go. And I said, but, but aren't, didn't you just come here to present, uh, you know, some research? And he said, yes. And I said, well, aren't you, you know, you're continuing your studies. Don't, don't you want to meet more people? You don't know where the rest of your life is going to take you. Here you are at this conference that you're presenting at. You, you know, you, you may never come here again, but there are all of these people in your world here. You're not going to go? and meet people. And last year you won an award on stage. 
you you must go you you you're you're going to you will regret not going and i'm glad to say that he went why didn't he want to go did he share that with you no it wasn't important really okay so it wasn't a, an anxiety or social awkwardness or a shyness oh, oh it was a little bit of that i think it was a little bit of that thank you for bringing that up um because i did I did point out that that's how everybody feels when they go. Even the most seasoned professional gets a little bit of anxiety before they go. And, you know, if you just sort of approach it that way, we're all in the same boat, it's a little easier. And it's all you have to do is reach out to one person and you can make a great connection. That's all, it's all you have to do. And the, and one thing, and I know this is so painfully obvious, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that it, I think it finally hit home with me very recently. Going to sound a little dumb. Go because you can always turn around and leave. And I've done that. Me too. I have. But now in. I realized I can just turn around and leave. Mm -hmm. Nothing is forever. Mm -mm. We hit that in our head, but even nothing, nothing is forever. It's always temporary and you could walk right in and out. And, you know, I was sharing this with somebody. Try not on, to. Yeah, try, not, try to. not to. Try not to. I And and that's to this point, I was, uh, I went to, it was a holiday party with this new group that I'm associated with. And I'm like, I, I know the person who's my teacher and the person who did some artwork for me. Um, I know those two people and though I know that they're going to come because I kind of basically begged one of them to go. We had just kind of met, had a really strong connection. She's now just a really dear friend. Um, mm -hmm. and I walked in and I didn't know anybody and I'm walking through, I'm like, I don't know anybody here, even the owner of the house. She greeted me right away. So I sat down my little, you know, food contribution, walked around, stood there and went, Nope. Got to go. Got to go. Well, there was another friend there. I didn't know that he was going to be there. And he came behind me and yelled, Alex. And it snapped me out of it. And I went, you know, you could do this. And then I saw another friend walk by. Okay. Or not really friends at that point, but people that I had met. Okay. Go find your one person. Sit with her for a few minutes. She and her husband sit with them. You still want to go? Go. I ended up not going. I ended up staying the entire party. I ended up having the most amazing experiences, some of which are changing my life. So it's just always remember, give it a second, give it a beat, because I will be the person that will walk in and turn around and walk out. Yeah. Or, or even um, baby steps, if you think mm -hmm. of it that way, you know, I'm going to do this next thing. Uh, I'm going to drive, get in the car. I'm going to drive to the venue, <laughs> you know, I mean, one step at a time, if that's what it takes, because, uh, you know, if you're, especially if you're looking to make a career change or you, you know, you're starting out on, uh, in a new industry, w whatever the case may be, it's important to meet people and know what they're doing and know what the industry you're in is doing. And uh, you, you can't know that unless you're out there and, you know, in the vibe and hearing what's going on. And I have to remember that too, as an age old, wise old man. Uh, Calling yourself old. Uh, hey, 
uh, it's happening um, as a, a as a mature mature like a mature man uh, that uh, I have to get out there you know I have to keep meeting people because the minute you stop is the minute you become uh, less relevant irrelevant and uh, you you know if you still want to be in a career then you can't let that happen and and things are moving so much faster today that you can't you can't you can't really you step off the carousel look at it's how harder to get back on it's hard yes. to get back on once you step off and i'm and i'm already struggling to get back on the carousel i've been struggling it's just it's really really hard and you know we just we, we got to be good we got to be strong I've never seen you off the carousel, so I never would imagine you as, oh. not, as ever having not been on that carousel. Oh, thank you for that. That means that's that true. a lot. Thank you. That's not that's not just words. Those aren't those aren't just words. They're I mean I mean them. Thank you. You 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 know I think that speaks to how we think of ourselves because I think like the laziest guy. Like if I could only work, if I if I only could be that much smarter if that was okay i'm just more more energy says the man who owns a business a successful business by the way and who maintained a successful business throughout a pandemic where others were failing who's getting his masters who's the president on the board of homestart who's on the board of the i mean how who has adopted two little puppies how much more can you fit in your day they're they're you do require sleep. Now, I don't require a lot of sleep or I just don't get a lot of sleep. You you need your sleep, right? Yeah. I need and you sleep. get it. Yeah. So where yeah. in the day are you going to fit? <laughs> One more thing. I, I don't, as a matter of fact. And if I didn't have D'Angelo, the, there'd be a, there, yeah, wouldn't be, the list wouldn't be that long because he picks up a lot of the slack, Ooh. especially, especially at home. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's the best. The He's the best. best. Truly, truly. <laughs> Uh, but now he's telling us that we need to wrap it up. So he's not the best right now, but he, oh, yes, he is. Dang it. But, you know, we have gone on and on, and uh, we have talked about a few best practices, a few things to think about as you journey down the road of your events. So please remember to make sure if you are booking a hotel that that manager is on duty if they say they're going to be. That is very important. It just boggles my mind. Yeah. 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 I saw this, this letter. I don't know. I'm, I have half a mind to read it tomorrow to the, to the group. Some of them have gotten this letter as well. So I don't know if I should, I'm sure that the meeting planner wouldn't like it if I did that, but point out the, I mean, they are a group of educators, so I'm sure they see every typo in this letter. Like I do. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to apologize, at least, at proof. least proof it. So yeah. at least the apology feels like you made some effort. I'm watching too much Judge Judy, apparently. All right, kids. There you go. That's what. That's your next thing. Become a judge. Get a TV show. Oh my God, that would be the greatest. I think it's a lot of pressure, really. But oh my Lord, would that be fun? No, because That's I said so. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk while I'm talking. Or I love it when they say miss, when they call Judge Millie on miss. 
Uh, excuse me, should I say? Miss, don't you? You can call me Judge. Miss. I'm not Miss. Anyway. Hey, that's it for us today. The end of Belotified. This is episode 66, I think we said at the beginning of this. We're up there. Definitely, definitely 66. Uh, this podcast is officially older than we are. Thank God. Number is higher. A lot, a lot older, I may add. A lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. you know. Because so, that's just the way it is. Because that's what we said. So if you've enjoyed listening to us and you believe us, give us five stars, even if you don't believe us, because you shouldn't. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. And uh, hey, wherever you're listening to us, please continue to listen and tell your friends about us. Uh, if you have a question or concern, you can share it on Velada.com. Just look for the podcast tab and leave it in the little square rectangle that's provided there. And uh, that's all we have until next time. Uh, that's goodbye. It is goodbye, so goodbye. Goodbye, and remember, stay engaging.